Hello, and thank you so much for joining us. My name is Tim, working alongside my big brother, James, and we are the Bros of Steel. We appreciate you tuning in for another exciting episode where we take on all things Superman. And today, James, why don't you let everyone know what we're going to be talking about? Today, we're discussing Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut. We will discuss the different moments in that movie, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I kind of think I said that the last time, too. Anyway, uh, yeah, this movie stars all the original characters that were in Superman the movie. Marlon Brando, Gene Hackman, Christopher Reeve, who actually did, he had top billing in this, right, Tim? Yes, sir. Yes. And uh, he didn't have it in the first one, which was really kind of interesting, but at that point he wasn't unknown. And uh, at the Margo Kiddo again. <laughs> anyway, Tim, why don't you get us started off today with, uh, with our discussion? Well, first, before I even jump into that, I want to let the world know, let everyone know, you can follow us on Twitter at bros underscore steel. That's B-R-O-S underscore S-T-E-E-L. We will be discussing uh, just, you know, normal Twitter stuff, posting our rants, our ravings about all things Superman, and again, anything else that we want to discuss. With that being said, I love that we have some background of Superman 1 in this movie now. Like one of my biggest pet peeves of the first movie was where does certain things, where do certain things come from? So we, and we talked about this before in the first movie, he comes out with, with his suit. He leaves the fortress south with his suit. But the question was, where did that suit come from? And now we know when he was transported to earth, Jor-El tells him that his, uh, his mother, that Kal-El's mother, Lara, sent him with three blankets, a red one, a yellow one, and a blue one that will protect him from damage. For lack well, of it's basically, his, it it's basically his, uh, his flying suit, his super suit, as they say. Um, do you right. like, let me, let me ask you this, and I don't mean to interject so quickly, but a lot of this stuff, and we, we, I, don't, I don't want to say we argued about it, but in the last movie, we, we had a lot of talking points where we were like, man, you're missing so much opportunity in this this movie and i feel like a lot of scenes in this could have been in that movie to really help the story along much better don't you think i i agree and that's kind of where um i'm that line laura sent you with three blankets a red a yellow and a blue one to protect your strength could have been in the first one and then that whole that whole suit question mm-hmm. is is never even asked in the first one but again i the suit the suit question didn't bother me in the first one we talked about that i didn't care about that but now we know it, that his suit is part of what protects him. And in Lois and Clark, the Dean, the Dean Cain Superman show, he even he says that his that his or his his aura or his his whatever it is permeates over the over the suit. So in that show, I, I always remember that scene him saying that. And it's funny because he's saying he protects the suit and that's why the suit doesn't get damaged. But in this show, in this movie, they're saying the suit actually is, is part of his protective layer. I didn't put that together until you said that. That's interesting. But now that I'm thinking about it, though, so he, he travels to the Fortress of Solitude where he creates the Fortress of Solitude. Did he really bring the blankets along that came along in a spaceship that was sitting in, in the storm cellar? I would say yes. Seriously, you would say yes to that? Think about it. He's at this point in his life, he's going to bring whatever Kryptonian tech gear, whatever that it was sent them to Earth. Why okay, not? But you just mentioned uh, Lois and Clark, and she, his mother, made that suit for him. And that, right? Right. In the the series yeah. today that, that's on. Thanks, my mom made it for me. Superman, Superman and Lois. Lois. Right. Is that out the way? Which is amazing. If you if you ever if you're not watching Superman you and Lois, and you want a 
if you want and you want a modern take on Superman, and I'm a Man of Steel guy, but this show it's is really hook. good. But my point being, Martha obviously had nothing to do with this. Remember how old she was? <laughs> so <laughs> we can sew. Free amigos, if anybody didn't know that. That's right. Yep. I was like, what is that from? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So okay, Martha has nothing to do with it. I think that I don't know who builds the suit, but like like I said before, with the ancient Kryptonian technology that was far advanced of Earth technology, it's possible that it's put together on Earth by by the the fortress. Almost like I mean, a crystal built a crystal built the fortress. Why couldn't the why can't why couldn't the, the fortress be all powerful and all knowing? Yeah, I guess it, in a way, it's kind of all right. All right. I'm, I'm going to let you slide on this one because I'm thinking about it. The fortress built, you know, in, 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 excuse me, in Man of Steel, he had the suits that popped out of the fortress for him there. Let's say the suit popped out of the fortress here then. So I'll let, we're going to, we're going to go along with it then. All right. So that was, that was just me bringing up the idea of <clears throat> them giving us some, some background on the first one, which now I love even furthermore, how now we know more from the, first one that we didn't know so zod ursa and nan think about the first one when you're at the movie if you were there in 1978 you go to the movies and the whole setup at the beginning is him imprisoning these three these three beings these three individuals and then we don't hear about them again and at the time when i'm watching that movie i don't think about them again because we're, we're setting up the superman story and now think about what if this movie was a flop what if it was terrible and they're like I know they made them simultaneously. They made them at the same time. But what if it was bad and then we never get a second one? Then we never hear from about these three characters. Well, I mean, the, they were they were kind of betting on they were betting on the masses at that point. You know what I mean? They had the studio gave them a set out, set amount of money. They they were able to make the movies, and they were basically it blew through yeah, that money. <laughs> but they were betting on the star power in that movie too. You know, Gene Hackman, they were betting on Marlon Brando and they were betting on the people who, who were going to come and see these other people and see this story about a comic book. You, you got to remember that the Superman comics have been around since the 30s. And this is the first time you're going to see a live action superhero on the screen uh, in, in the movie theater. You know, remember back then right. the movie theaters were so incredible. Well, oh, right. they've seen, the them, they've seen them on TV before. But right. so they, they kind of they kind of bet. They I guess you could say they made a bet on uh uh, uh, they made a bet on the people and, and it paid off, you know, with the movie maker. No, completely. I, but I guess I understand that. But my, my point more so being this is a setup. The way the first movie is set up has nothing to do with that film because they're, they're imprisoning the three, the, the, the three Cretonians. And then we forget about them. And then the bad guys. Look, yeah. That, that scene, they could have, they could have done something different from the original scene blasting off, um, Clark, uh, Clark, uh, Kal El from from the from the uh, Krypton. They could have done that, and they could have maybe expanded on that a little bit more than having uh, the whole trial and tribulations of Zod and company. You know, and they could have started the second movie off and kind of like interlinked the stories a little bit better there. So people in the movie theater probably like, what the hell did that have to do with anything when they were watching it? You know, and I think that that oops, I think that was your point. So, uh, and you're right. And I, 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 exactly. That's exactly my point, but I like in hindsight being able to watch them back to back. If I had to wait three years, I probably would have, I would have been annoyed, but being able to watch it immediately after I, I like that we now have that storyline. So now we have another 
gap that's filled in from the first one and why I really, really enjoyed this movie. And I went into this, this idea of watching these movies thinking I was not going to enjoy them at all. And, and, and I, and I've so far kind of enjoyed them both. And I've had that experience maybe a handful of times. One was with you with, with, I love you, man. Another was with, um, the dark Knight, which is my all time favorite superhero movie, comic book movie. I was like, I was not, I was like apathetic towards it and I was blown away. Point being that I am so glad that we're, we're rewatching these because it's really opening my eyes to a lot of, a lot of things I, I didn't notice. Well, one before. of the things I like about the Donner cut and people who haven't seen it, I really do. I think I said this in the last time we spoke, you really should watch it. Uh, it's available. I don't know if it's available on HBO Max right now. Not a sponsor. It's out there. You could probably get it for free somewhere. I mean, everything's free nowadays on the internet, like movie wise. You, you know, I I got it off of James's Voodoo account. <laughs> <so> I mean, <laughs> <you know. laughs> yep, I got it there. If you have that password, go right ahead. Um, anyway, so I really urge you to check it out because this the first Superman makes a lot more sense when you have this one along with it. Actually, both movies a lot make a lot more sense because it's almost like, you know, you're getting the, the original director's vision for the movie. There's a lot of cheesy stuff right. in this movie. I'm telling you, oh, you know, completely. but it's so, it's cheesy. so cheesy, you know, and I'm going to start off with those stupid panes of glass look like envelopes flying. Remember when um, he brings a, he, the, the spaceship goes up, it blows up and then the, the panes of glass that they're in, they... Round and round and round and round. Um, yes. It, it was so bad. That was really, really bad. But you're right. 1978, 1975 was when the movie was made. But I wanted to ask you something about this scene because I'm having a, a continuity question in my head now. Did Jor-El warn Kal-El, Superman? Because he said in one of his conversations, only a nuclear weapon would be able to break them loose in the Phantom Zone. Okay. That's, that's in this cut yes. of the movie. Was that, did he, did we hear that before or after this happened? I, I'm trying, I don't remember. Yeah, no. So the Phantom Zone is no longer a piece of glass. <laughs> and uh, it's already, the bomb has exploded. And then when he's talking to Jorel later on, Jorel's telling him the only thing that worried us was the possibility of of this happening, of, of there being a nuclear blast in space that could that could destroy the, the right. Phantom Zone. But I mean, but Superman can just fly back in time and fix it all anyway, <laughs> so whatever. <laughs> yes, yes, you're right. It, it, it's funny you say that. I don't, I don't know why I couldn't remember exactly exactly the uh, how it went along sure. how it went along in the movie, but yeah. So you know, the beginning of the movie was 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 crazy, you know, and then they, they break loose. They're floating in space. And they land on the moon. Oh okay, listen, gosh. Jimmy. They've been they've been in space for in the Phantom Zone for let's say 30, 33 years, whatever it is. Okay, maybe 30. We really don't know how old Clark is in this movie because they never really established it, his age. He's been in he's been on Earth for what's assumed a number of years. So we'll say we'll just say for the sake of argument, two okay. years. So he's been he so he's been superman, he's been superman on Earth for two years is what you're saying. So they so they've been they've been floating in space for 32 years then is what we're saying for the sake of argument. Yeah, I mean again it's it's an estimate okay. it's in that, it's in that So ballpark. somehow this thing phantom zone was able to find its all the way all the way to the moon and earth when the nuclear explosion happens in space. So I have a theory on that. Okay. What's your theory? 
if you remember, they're so they're floating in outer space. Then Clark's ship, Kalo's ship, blows right by them. I think that created a pull in that direction, which the which it followed, which the Phantom Zone followed. Yeah, I I thought I I remember. I think I wrote down as a topic for today was it uh, did did the flight of that cause a a a trajectory? I guess you could say, and then what? So he crashes into Earth, may just kind of sit there in that in that moment for, for, for 32 years. I mean, I guess we could say that. I guess that's that's what the director wants us to assume at this point. Yeah, I think I think that it was in that it was in at that point after it followed the craft to Earth, it just yeah, it, it orbits there in that in the area of Earth. And then and then it once the once the hydrogen bomb or bomb explodes and, and then they are all released free to they are released to the moon, which, I mean, I, I don't know if, if I'm assuming you are about to jump on how, again, terribly, poorly acted. It's not the acting. It's, it's, it's Wait, can I just jump in to talk about that moon thing? Because when I was watching that particular scene, I hadn't, I, I don't think I had ever seen Superman 2 until we decided we were going to do this episode. And that that scene on the moon made me think to myself, that would be the most horrifying thing. Oh, I know. If you're an astronaut on the moon, you know it's just you and two other guys, and all of a sudden there's somebody walking around on the moon without a spacesuit that also looks like a like a vampire. Uh, that that would have terrified me. I I I would have uh, had to blow myself out the airlock. <laughs> I I was actually thinking the exact same thing watching it, like because the guys the guy in, in the spacecraft saying I, I must be dreaming or i'm dreaming or whatever and i saw a girl or whatever he said and it's, he was just like a girl that looks like death yeah. right. they were really pasty <laughs> white all three of them weren't they they were they were gr- like ridiculously pasty for people who are, are like floating around in orbit for 30 years with no sunscreen <laughs> i don't think so well, yeah, and, and you know they're, they're, they are trapped against a pane of glass, so shouldn't shouldn't that be like enhancing their their tan at this point? All right, we're a little off subject. I would say <laughs> I don't need to discuss their their sunbathing <laughs> uh, history. But with that being said, yes, I would I would agree completely with that one, Joe. I think when I was watching, I was like, imagine being that dude. Like this girl's walking. I need to get the heck out of here, however mm-hmm. I can. I agree. But again, this is a movie, but you know what? This is going back to what we talked about on episode one, though. These guys, they're just, they're not, they're not idiots. They're, they're astronauts. Like then when, when they said the the whole thing, did so, who turned, was it the toaster or did somebody, when they were talking about, oh my God. NASA. Oh my God, NASA. And this, this goes back to my original point about Richard Donner and authority figures. You know, I feel like he wants to make everybody out to be a fool or something, you know, this scene, you know, so yeah, they break the camera. So they're just going to say something stupid. And I, I know it's meant to be funny, but this is just dumb. It's it, Well, it's just dumb. You know what I mean? Uh, who turned on the toaster? Because at NASA, if you turn on the toaster, <laughs> guess what it's going to do? It's going to make everybody's screen go blank and fuzzy and choppy and staticky. You gotta be shitting me. It's not a microwave, NASA or Richard. <laughs> but you're, it, it, it's so ridiculous. And it's just, you know, uh, and so the other scene also, there's a couple of them in the movie where 
authority figures just look absolutely pathetic and asinine and terrible. There's the government scene where the White House scene, okay, there's, and those who haven't seen it yet, the White House scene, what they did was basically the military is in there using grenade launchers and rocket launchers right next to the room where the president of the United States is in there behind wooden doors, okay? And they're firing at these guys and they're just doing it. And they're just like swatting these military guys away like they're, like they're flies. And then, you know, there's a scene that happened just a little bit before that when they were out in the, um, what do they call it, Planet Houston? <laughs> And they were they were in just a random field there, and they were the, the the scene where they're in the bar or the diner, and actually that scene is not so bad. I kind of appreciated that scene a little bit more. The saloon yeah, was that a saloon? No, it was like a diner, right? Yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't. Know. But you know, a the National Guard showed up immediately, but everybody who was around the sheriffs in their Tonka truck. I mean, yeah, it was like the they exactly. And then they get out of the the the. That, that stupid little police car. You got a fat, ugly buffoonery buffoon sitting there with a toothpick in his mouth telling these people to move. Then you got this little nerdy little Judge Reinhold, nothing against him. I'm actually a huge fan, but look alike. Walk out there with a half cut off shotgun. A sort of shotgun. shotgun, which is illegal, I think, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. And just standing there. And this is what they do. Oh my God, he just has such an issue. Uh, and this goes back to the first movie too. Think about it. Power, he has such a figures. problem with people in power. The, the government people in the first movie, when he was like, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to ask my man to do something I wouldn't do myself. So he has nine people gather around Miss Tessmacher laying in the road. Come on, Rich. You know, you, you got to, you have to. I mean, this movie is just that much more evident of his, of his issues with them because- the United States, even in 78, was no pathetic force. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? We were badasses back then. And we didn't have the rules like we have today. But this movie made it look like they were just these freaking buffoons. Made it look like buffoonery. There you go, Tim. Thanks. Wow. I got heated I just, on that, one, huh? that word. Yeah, I, I disagree completely. <laughs> I, I think you're 100% right, though, James, because like in in the time that this movie came out, we were, uh, you know, entering the Cold War and for them to for, for the film to depict the U.S. government and military as this. Yeah, a uh, uh, circus, uh, 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 this weak circus. It's it's really fascinating and for that to make its way through Hollywood as a depiction of the US at the time with what was happening in politics it is it is like very clear that this is uh it, it's either it's either Mario Puzo himself who you know that's his political views or it was Donner himself whose political views were really seeping heavily into the movie but it is it is fascinating to think you know at that time all the films that were coming out that were very pro American strength and all of that interesting stuff. And then this movie comes out with, with Superman who is, you know, the embodiment of, of power. And in this, in this hero worship culture, seeing the depicted circus, uh, America, it's fascinating. That's a good word. I like the way that word, the it's a circus. It's absurd. 
and it's, it's again, is it supposed to be comical? Is it, is it supposed to be Richard Donner or Mario Puzo throwing that, throwing his his shade at the government? Who knows? I, that's that's it's it's a really interesting topic because we're in the middle of the, of the Cold War, where you know some Vietnam, stuff happened. You know, that whole era, like, exactly. It's, <laughs> and who are you gonna it's, call? It's, it's a re- <laughs> Superman. Okay. It's actually it's actually something that. Um, that that kind of deserves a deeper dive. I would love to see. I would love to read a, a a paper on it for sure. If there's a, any college students yeah. out there who need a a dissertation, uh, go for it. It's yours. Take it. Just you know, email it to me so I can read a that little. And uh, <laughs> you know, there, there's probably a way for you to just mention the Bros of Steel. You know, as uh, in your what do they call it at the end, the footnotes or something, or the uh, references. <laughs> Bros of Steel the podcast bibliography research. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we. Uh, <laughs> Just footnote what? us. Just put us as a yeah. footnote somewhere. Rose right? O Steel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so I, I just moving on from there. I think that we we are all the same wonderment there. What the heck was was going on? But I mean, we're, we're, this movie kind of moves rapid fire from there because you the first one had a whole setup of 35, 40 minutes before we 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 really have the story. But this one moves on quickly. So let's see. Let's look at where. The whole Niagara Falls scene. So this is different from the Downer cut versus the original cut because a lot of things change here. Something that I noticed that I kind of liked about this one versus the first one. The first one really had 40 minutes of of uh, filler. To, so we got to the characters. So we could understand the character before we actually get to any part of the real Superman story. It was two and a half hours. It, could, it had time to. This one kind of moves a little bit faster. It does have a, about a 10 minute recap of the first one. But once it starts moving, it starts moving quick. And... The first time, so we see Lois now, Jimmy says something to her, and then she's like, oh, that's true. We never see Clark and Superman together in the same room. And she starts drawing Clark on Superman's body in, 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 the, in newspaper. Yeah. the newspaper. She was all, already kind of catching on um, a little bit at the end of the first one, if you remember, too. So she was quite investigated. Uh, it, she, she was figuring it out a lot quicker than like a lot of the fu- future iterations of Lois did. You know, if you remember the adventures of Lois and... Clark with Dean Kane, she never figured it out. Really, you know, she never, she didn't, she didn't, yeah, she didn't put two and two together. Uh, Smallville, right. she didn't. Uh, Lois didn't find out until uh, you know, not if you haven't seen Smallville yet. Basically, later on, well, just just say later. later on. It's later on, but well, Chloe was a, well, guess, that's, yeah, but Chloe's no, the one Lois, but it took a long time for her to piece these things together. Yes, they're different iterations of the story and the the the, the Man of Steel, but Man of yes, Steel was, was, I was oh my god, there's nothing wrong with out. Man of Steel. It's a perfect movie, Timothy. <laughs> I get my my the the point being every iteration has a has a unique well, way of, of telling right, the story. Right, but this iteration between these two movies is the best way they did it for Lois other than in Man of Steel, in my opinion, because she wasn't a complete fool the whole time about it. Yeah. It took her, it took her like, let's say two years or something like that. And he, he was constantly throwing her off the scent, but she was putting it together really quickly though, in the end. So. Well, she even said towards the end of the first one, she said the same thing. Oh, Clark's never around with Superman is. And then she, Oh, Lois Lane, that's the silliest idea you've ever had. (laughs) So she was starting to put it together in the first one. And then the beginning of the second one is when she, she figures it out or she thinks she figures it out. So if you haven't seen the 
Richard Donner, the, the Donner cut of the second one, this next sequence, when Lois jumps out the window, doesn't necessarily make sense to you. Because in the original one, she jumps into Niagara Falls. But here, she, she so she jumps out of the window. She's convinced that he, Clark is Superman. And this is right after Perry sends them on their assignment to Niagara Falls. And uh, she jumps of out the, the window. Now, of the Daily Planet. Now, I like this part of the movie. She has, she's so convinced herself that, Clark is Superman that she's willing to now risk her life completely on it by jumping out of a building. How, how high many, many stories high. And she, she's going to die if she hits the ground, obviously. And she's okay, so the sure. The cool part about that scene was the use of Clark's speed. That was the first time in both movies. Uh, and they didn't use his speed at all in the first movie, like him running and stuff like that. This, right. and he was just, well, they did when he was, they did when he was running, yeah, but this this was more truly accurate to, to the way Superman's speed worked. He, you know, making the papers fly as he ran by. This was a great aspect of the scene. But the way he saves Lois is utterly ridiculous. By blowing, <sighs> he blows and, he, and, and then he stops her fall to the point where she falls on a trellis. Well, the, yeah, he opens the trellis or awning, whatever it is. He bounces off that and lands on the Oh, my scene. God. And then he obviously runs back up. I mean, yeah, I feel like this scene, was it made, do you feel it was made for a comedic purpose? Or do you feel, I mean, there, there could have been, I don't, I don't know, because this is just, they, it was good and it was bad, you know? I think it was made because she had, she, Lois Lane is a proud woman. She's very prideful. And now she's got to A, say, Clark, I'm an idiot. And B, she's got, she's covered in watermelon, in, in no. watermelon like fruit. So like she's now kind of embarrassed and Lois Lane does not get embarrassed. So she's now kind of taken down. A yeah, step. Um, she is. But, you know, as we know, she doesn't she doesn't hold that thought for very long. Right. So so now they're, they're now on their honeymoon because what so, they're doing is they're posing as reporters. Um, they're posing as a married, the married couple, couple really you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Man, that's so unique. <laughs> well, Perry, Perry said that. People are going there and they're getting kind of like nickel and dime for everything. So they want to write an expose about how the the industry in Niagara Falls was, uh, you know, taking these young couples for everything. Oh, no, had. it makes sense so for them to go there for a news story. You know what I mean? So at least they're oh, acting so like reporters. No, I'm, I'm fine so, with that. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fine with that. But up, so the kid is playing on Niagara Falls. He falls down. Superman comes. Lois, once again, it's like, oh, Clark and Superman not in the same area. And now they're back in the hotel and Lois is, is she's pieced it together again. And she shoots him with a gun. God, wasn't he pissed at her? He oh was. my gosh. He was so mad. And it was like, this is like, you could see the anger in his eyes. Like it was awesome. Like that Christopher Reeve face acting right there was amazing. But she duped him, didn't she? <laughs> well, cause it, yeah, it was a play. And, he, and I love that. I, I really think that. So, and I mean, I can't really, I haven't seen the original in some time, but the, the difference there, I, I would believe that version over him falling into a fireplace any day. Absolutely. hundred like, percent. Yes. Because you know what? He just doesn't trip and people, even, even as, as, as being the bumbling kind of guy he is, he does it on purpose, but here he trips over a, a rumpled up carpet, if I remember correctly, and he falls into the fire. That's it, it, it's it, impossible. It, it doesn't happen. But you know what? That also reminds me of another part of the movie. And I don't I don't need to backtrack because I am. And I know we're probably going to get into this, but I, I want you to remember these are another thing that 
Remember when Ursula was bit by a snake? Oh my gosh, I know. Okay, but these are just stupid things that should never have been put into the movie. But 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 then James and then Zaj shoots himself with that that shotgun and doesn't feel a thing because he says he, he shoots himself. He doesn't feel the bullet, and he says, "Crude noisemaker." Meanwhile, the the snake hurt her. It's so dumb. If she wasn't playing it the way she did, like if she played like as more of a startled thing, the way the snake acted. That would have been better because you got to remember, it's not like they don't have feelings, you know what I mean? They feel when things touch them, but she was grimaced in pain in this, you know, like I just right. got bit by a freaking whatever kind of snake it was, a bike rattlesnake or whatever. It was just nuts. It was crazy. So, okay, let's get, let's get back to Niagara no, Falls, but I wanted to, I wanted to bring that up now because <laughs> of these are the little things that the movie missed that I feel should not have been in it, or if they're going to be in it, they should have done been done differently to for story accuracy. You know what I mean? For, 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 for accurate, for your, for accuracy purposes, as simple as that. So I, the one thing I want to get back to though, is Joe just made a comment to us. The firing the blank is such a well-played point because Clark says, you realize if you have been wrong, Clark Kent will be dead. She said with a blank, and he, at that point, is like, how the frick did you just, you you played me so well. Like, now he's not, well, now he's, he was played twice. Once, she figured out that I'm Superman. Two, you just made me think that you shot me when you didn't. And the bullet, it's a and, blank, so nothing hits him. It's a bullet. Didn't he feel something on him when a bullet fires? Well, I guess, I mean, remember what I said before. I mean, Zod didn't feel the shotgun that he shot himself with. Because remember, he's a crude noisemaker. But I don't he would know. have felt a bullet, or he would have caught a bullet, or well, he would have yes, felt something. Okay. I know that's just another it's another point. But if he caught the bullet, then she knows yeah, anyway. That's true. So. I I kind of feel like at this point in time, though, it's safe to assume that he's been shot before and knows that he doesn't feel it. You know, that's just because we haven't just because we haven't seen it at this point, he's been you know playing the character. The like Clark Kent or Superman, whoever, whichever character he's playing, Superman has been shot before, so he knows. He's also like caught the bullet before, which we saw in the first movie where he catches the bullet. So he like he knows that he can catch it in that situation. But like if he can catch the bullet, he knows that he's also probably he doesn't feel it. You know what I mean? So it's like no, that no, I I was I was gonna bring up the idea that he, the first one, he, yeah, he catches the bullet. So yeah. I get that. I don't. So I'm not that. That to me, that's that's. It's a little nitpicky, James. I'm just, that's a little nitpicky. I'm, Are you I, kidding me? The fact that he didn't feel a bullet. That's why he's that. that that's why he's ticked yes. off. Like, yes. But man, man, his whatever. acting in this is so good. When he when when he when he when he the way he stared at her. I just have to say that again. The other thing that I will say about this is I don't know what it was about Margot Kidder, but her teeth looked great and she looked pretty er in this movie. Did. I don't, weren't they filmed at the same time? How, how, that's what I, that's what I'm saying. They were filmed. I know they were, but she looked much better. I don't know. I didn't really notice. Um, I, 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 I'm sorry. I don't notice that, but you know, I just can't stand her as Lois Lane. And I think I hit on that one in the first one. <laughs> All right. I, and, but so this is, this is, you know what, let's go back a little bit when, what's his name? Um, I don't even know what scene. Okay. Lex, I'm sorry. Lex escapes prison. I I love I love and I have a love hate relationship with this scene. I love the idea the whole chess thing when he sets up the chessboard when he sets up the video of him him and Otis Ode, Ode, chess. Yeah, that's cool. But I can This is again where we get into that level of is there any respect for for our 
for, for, our, for authority figures for the government authority right so so they're out in the in the prison yard and otis puts the bunny ears on on lex with with, with the with the uh, spotlight on them like otis is just such a buffoon in his own right yeah, he's still better than these cops that are can outsmart these cops. So then, then all of a sudden, Miss Tessmacher comes with a hot air balloon in the middle of this prison yard, and no one's looking up to see this hot. Especially air that a ladder falls on on Otis. I know. And then all of a sudden, so Lex climbs onto the hot air balloon, and they drop the ladder. Do they not think where did this ladder come from? Let's not let's not look oh, up. Oh, hey, there's a balloon there. Let's shoot at it. It's ridiculous, Timothy. And this is this is one of my many issues. I don't even know how you said in this mo- beginning how much you like this movie. I mean, I watched it and I was just like, oh, it's 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 no, it's 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 ugh. That's all I can say. Ugh, ugh, U-G-H, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> there. So that's my. I like I, I like the storyline of this movie, and and I, I'm going to say something that I loved about this movie. I like the storyline. I don't like the specific plot points, if that makes sense. So, you know, going back a little bit, I the scene where Lois shoots him, the blank Clark, I loved, as like you said, the his acting in this scene, because, again, he's not he's acting as Clark and now he's Superman. And it's it's, it's a complete change in, in behavior. And, and you could see the acting change like that. The instant cool. tra- his instant transformation, the second he pulls off the glasses, it's almost like he. Now that he knows his cover has been blown, it's like he immediately straightens up, unslugs his shoulders. He's, he becomes more in, a more intimidating person, you know, at this point. You know, when his, his transformation from Clark to Superman was very good. And then, you know, he takes off his glasses, he straightens out his shoulders, he, he puffs out his chest a little bit. It was really cool. And then you, he makes that comment, you know, you would have hurt Clark. And then she said, with a blank. That was, and then he was just like, shit, you, you got me here, you know? And that was really, really yeah. pretty, pretty cool how, how, how that went down. Um, but going into the next scene, now, now, now she knows he's Superman, right? And automatically they are head over heels in love. There's no, there's nothing else in between. He takes her to the fortress. They heat up a souffle together with his supervision, <laughs> right? And then wh- what's the most important part about a souffle? You can never overcook it. Are you kidding me? I think that they were it's adding just in- another point that was so, it, 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 it ridicules the idea behind <laughs> so, a Superman movie like this. You know, it's, it's I not, know. It, yeah, I get it for comedic effect. It's just it's upsetting. I know, uh, I'm right there with you. The whole, that, that to me is, is, um, again, it's, it's comedy. They're adding in that comedy at the time. Yeah. But then they, you know, that bed that they slept in, man, didn't that look comfortable? I think that was in the original movie. That was a very cozy yes, looking bed. It certainly was. It was like a cloud they fell in or whatever. It was, it looked pretty funny. So pretty, pretty, pretty fun. Th- this was, this was going from what you said earlier about the, uh, the, the White House scene. So this, so they're in bed after the White House scene where, they go, they fly into the White House and then they have a great lunch in the White House and and Zod and, and, and Ursa and Nan. We'll just call them Zod and T. Well, this is happening. Right no, 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 no. You said something that people think it's going to confuse people. All this is happening while they're doing the ditty. Right. Well, doing the right. ditty. Right. So so Superman and Lois are in are in Nowheresville Fortress of Solitude while all this stuff is happening on Earth. 
or they're on Earth, but on in America, and they don't know what they don't know everything that's happening. So now that they've taken over the White House and the president has bowed down to them, and and Lois and Clark are going to oh yeah are going to be in. Well, the president says to to Zod, "I will I will kneel down to you. I'll bow down to you, but one man on Earth never will, and that's Superman." He also said, and I'm doing this it for is, the good of all of all mankind right now. So that kind of alleviates the pressure off of the situation a little bit because he just doesn't want Zod to kill anyone anymore, you know? Right. But the one thing that I I am th- this is probably my favorite part of this movie, only because I can I can appreciate the the way it was shot, I guess. So Zod says, Zod at that point, he says, Who is this Superman? And he's, he's, he challenges Superman. And then the next shot comes off of that challenge. And it's Clark in bed with Lois. It's too complete. Uh, it, it's, it's, so, it, it's so well done because it's complete juxtaposition of this, cha- this manly man challenging Superman to now this. I, I don't want to call it Clark docile because he's not docile, but he's content. He's now just, he's content. Yeah. He, He's just almost like a settled down man who's who's done with that life, yeah, of of being of being tough, and it's so cool seeing how Richard Donner just went from this manly man to this guy just happy, chill, done with that life. I I love that. I love how while while you're saying while while I understand what you're saying while that could be your favorite scene in in the movie, my favorite scene is coming up right after this scene when he not this part and believe me I have all kinds of opinion about what's what happens next. So we I'm going to backtrack for two seconds to we establish that Clark has been saving people two years right. He's talking to Jor El. You've served humanity well. For two years, right. for two years, you served humanity and you want to give up your powers for happiness. You selfish son of a bitch, Superman, is all I can say right now. And I, I him, him, him even considering this right now blows my mind. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You have the powers of a God, but you feel you have to give them up because you want to be happy. Why can't you do both in the future? Everybody else does them both. You know what I mean? Why do you have to give he says, it up? He, he, it doesn't. Jorel tells him he can't. Why? Do he doesn't give a reason. Trust me. I know. Yeah, but you know what? That's dumb. Because he, guess what? He didn't listen to him. That you can't interfere with mankind. Why can't he listen to him about this? Does he feel like he's? And then and then Jorel and then Jorel tells him once you do this, no turning back. Does Jorel ever tell him anything that's actually concrete? <laughs> no. You know, and one of the, one of the funny uh, anyway. So this scene goes on and, you know, it, it, Clark loses his powers. You know what I mean? He, and meanwhile, has no. But in the Donner cut, when he does, when he's going in there and, and Jor-El like gives Lois like this. That's my favorite scene yeah, when it's happening. Uh, Marlon Brando has, has, has Jor-El staring at Lois in his super suit shirt. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh it's right. You know, it was great. It was just absolutely awesome. I I didn't see the Donner cut, but I'm curious. Uh, in that cut, 
what is Lois's reaction when she realizes that he's giving up his powers for her? Because in the cut that I watched, uh, she looked like she was going to stop him or wanted to stop him, but was also like conflicted. Uh, And it was like a really interesting uh, moment of acting uh, from, from Margot Kidder in, in, uh, uh, well, no, the, I, the, and the I agree. That's HBO. how it should have um, been. They should have kept that um, <clears throat> that piece of it in there, in my opinion, because she was just staring there. Like it was really good because it, like, it, it sounds like it sounds like in the Donner cut, her character is just like, oh, okay, cool, great. Now we can, you know, go be the nuclear family. Whereas in in the other cut, it, it seems like she's very uncomfortable with the idea, and not just because like. He's giving up his powers, but because like he's all in, and she's a little like, on the all, fence all about being all in the to their relationship. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a like he's like you know that's like third date stuff, and she he's already you know ready to give up everything for her. That's a that's a little <laughs> suffocating. I don't know. No, in in I in this one, I was trying to remember if she if she was uh, kind of hesitant. But no, she doesn't say anything. She just watches it happen, and she—it's—it's it's not like she's like jumping up and down for joy, but she's not also not attempting to stop him. Like if I'm her, I'm—I would think that she should be like, um, "Don't do this," you know. At least put some sort of fight, some sort of discussion about it. But and you remember, she's like, she no, woke I'm, up to I'm this. ready to be daddy. No, she woke up to him just talking to her, and all of a sudden, he didn't even discuss it with her. You know, right. like, how do you even, how do you even do that? How do you, why can't you have, it doesn't make sense why you can't have a relationship. And I understand Jarrell said they, one is exclusive of the other, exclusive without the other, whatever it is. But it does it just, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me how, and uh, let me present this to you guys. W- would you, would you do the same thing? Like, if I were Superman? Superman? What? Yeah. Would I give up oh, no. powers for nope. the woman I love? I I would say no for several several reasons. So I can just go uh, back in time. But the main reason, <laughs> well, there's that. But the main reason just being because uh, I I I I'm when I I don't know when when it comes to relationships, I don't think people should change for. Uh, the other people they either love you for who you are or they I don't, don't. i don't see the reason right. i don't know they gave no yeah. reason for him to give up his powers he yeah, just he just right. opted right. to do it. it uh and 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 yeah. i can't stand that i can't stand that i think that's what about you james me that's not for me you just asked me if i would do what What's do you, you think the answer is i'd never give up my ability no absolutely i know you okay. wouldn't i don't i don't know any okay Let, con- context is important though if i've known this woman two years a couple years we've been on one date we're not we're not even really in a relationship probably not like you don't know where this is going like she's she could be a witch <laughs> you know I, you know what i'm what i mean like she could be a bad person just because she's a good person when superman's around doesn't mean she's a good yeah. person you leave your socks on when you go to sleep but he knows though he knows though because he's around her as superman and he's and so he knows yeah, which is kind of creepy stalker. You know, I can understand her hesitancy <laughs> now that I really think about it because she knows and she's like, you know, you're kind of kind of weird. Um, 
but but yeah, uh, context is important, and I feel like they've been on at least. Three well, no, days because you got to remember okay, when readings. when when they were in Niagara Falls, they talked about it, and she she brought him. I don't know if she did this. I can't remember, but she he she basically was like, "I'm not in love with you, Clark." You know what I mean? So they've never really been on a date at all. They might have gone out as as a work working people, you know, out to a dinner or something like that. They, but there was never any romance or anything. Right. I mean, that's both true and untrue, because she's not in love with you, Clark, but she's in love with Superman, who he feels is who he really is until he decides to kill Superman. Well, he's she's uh, to be Clark for Lois, which I really well, don't. She understand. says in that same in, in that same fortress area where she's like, but he is you. It's kind of confusing. And he says, it's yeah, not well, to me, <laughs> like seductively, whatever, like. She was trying to piece it together, and, and she says, but he is you. That's right. Superman says, but Clark led me to meeting you. And she said, but he is you. It's kind of confusing. He says, it's not to me. So so does he consider himself to be Clark Kent? Like, all the way through? Like, start to finish from Superman 1 through Superman 2? He, he considers himself to be Clark? To bring up. It's a question that's been brought up many times in the like, discussion of Superman really? Who, Who is, is the he? costume? Is super, and in the end, after the many, I think he. I think he's Superman. No, that's where you're wrong. He's Clark Kent. See, that's, first. This is he's Clark Kent first. I don't think so. And he has. <laughs> yes, not. he is. He's Clark Kent first. He may have grown up as Clark Kent first, but in his mind, no, I think he's Superman. He's a he. No, because in his mind, he's ex, he, he's a man who just has these extraordinary abilities. Okay. I, I don't think so. Well, you're wrong because this is this is this is this is this has been brought up and this has been argued over and over. And my opinion is that you know his rate of growth and his compassion with humanity and his feelings for everything and and just how how he became. And this is after years of trials and tribulations. Remember, he doesn't have trials and tribulations in this in these two movies. He's got two years of Superman. You know what I mean? But then again, we don't know what he went through in Smallville or anything like that. But as far as we know, he's he's been learning from Isaac Asimov in the stars, you know, when he was for that 12 years in uh, whatever, uh, the Fortress of Solitude. But the age old question was always, who was he? And, you know, people have different opinions. My opinion is obviously different from yours. So. Which is which is awesome. I mean, I, I just if I'm watching this objectively, he even says to her. Clark brought me to you. Clark is not, he is, he is Superman. That's, that's the, his persona is Superman. He acts like Clark Kent. He talks about Clark Kent in the third person. So when you talk about somebody in the third person like that, I feel like you are disassociating yourself from who that is, knowing that's not me. I'm I'm this person. I'm Superman. Uh, the whole thing about him, you know, killing off Superman uh, for Lois, um, and then realizing that who he really is is Superman and bringing him back. I think that's like I think that's just them like hitting the nail on the head to to make it a little more obvious that he was always Superman, uh, and he can't be Clark Kent not for himself and not for Lois because he right, is we got we got to move on look at the time Jesus 
<laughs> All right, no, so, okay, so they, they leave the fortress, and he gets beat up by Rocky at the bar or at the diner. Oh, my God. Um, and then automatically he's, he, he, he's like, uh, and while he's and watching the TV, and, then they turn, and they turn the TV on and all and that turn stuff TV on. on. And, yep. and the president comes and says that we've given up power to Zod. And he's like, Zod. <laughs> you know, he, he played the, he played the scene as getting back. beat up pretty well. But I feel like nobody's going to get their ass kicked like that, that quickly, no matter who they are, especially no, even if you were. You got to remember, this guy is still six foot four, 220. He's a solid dude. And you might be able to, you should be able to take a couple punches before falling over like a glass vase, man. That, that part I don't like. Even me, I, I, I can take a couple punches before I'm going to fall over and be, be done, you know, and which is, it's just a ridiculous way they acted in the scene. And, um, but one of the, one of the funny, one of the funny things that Clark's mentions is how he, he's like, he knew as in like Jarrell knew what was going on, what was going to happen. He knew Zod was going to eventually um, come down and there was going to be a problem. He, he's like, you know, it, it brings me back to a point like, you know, your parents are always right. That's not true, but your parents are usually right uh, in the sense, you know, they'll, they'll tell you not to do something. They'll say it's dumb. You, you go ahead and do it. And then you realize, shit, I shouldn't have done it. And they told me not to do it. You know, so kids listen to your parents. <laughs> That's our PSA for this episode. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's very, it, it, it's a good point. And then so, so he, he hikes up the North Pole. Oh, my God. You know, windbreak. Why didn't they just drive back up? Well, Why did they just to go drive home? back up? You, know, you probably could have driven her to the train station or whatever. I'm sorry, but how do you get you. from middle of nowhere America to well, they the Arctic? There originally, right? Yeah, right, right. But then they walked out because yeah. he was an average everyday average Clark show. Kent, uh, and they 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 just they just walked out of the Arctic together with no jackets. Where no, the car come from? Like, you know? I mean, in, come in, in the Donner cut, they rented a car. Apparently, so they rented a car. Okay, well that's great. I didn't know that there was a Hertz in <laughs> the Arctic. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was saying. There's they they they're literally driving down the mountain in a car, but. This car come from? This flew there. But. Yeah, a lot of liberties in this one, huh? I think we discussed that. But you know, and then he says, then he's walking back there in in the snow, and it, it is a throwback to the very first both ways. <laughs> Dad, that was for you. Um, but it's kind of a, you know, remember in the first movie when he was doing the same thing? It was a similar thing. You know, he was trekking up the. Uh, was he doing that as a teenager in the first one? When he was walking through the snow like that, did they not show that scene? I don't know. Uh, they showed him. They showed him running with the train, uh, and and that he walks to and from school. No, but when he was walking didn't... to find the find the fortress of solitude. Oh right, 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 right. He throws the crystal, um, and he throws the crystal. So it, it was kind of a throwback to that. How he's got to make that that dawn he, thing trek but then again. He he had powers then. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. He 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 was he had his super strength and he had his abilities at that point. You're right. What what the scene actually reminds me of is is when Clark in Man of Steel is charging up, going up north, and he and he tries to hitchhike a ride. And the yeah, that might be him. an homage. That scene might be a little bit of an homage to that. 
That's that's a good point. Another silly scene. Why doesn't he just run up there? Yeah, exactly. This is silly scene, is right, but whatever. Um, so he gets back, uh, finds the glowing crystal. Finds the glowing crystal becomes Superman again. All right. So so yeah. He so at this point, all right. So we're back. He 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 gets to New York City or um, Metropolis, and he goes to fight the. Uh, the other we don't really need to discuss this because all he does is he fights and then he runs away from the battle because which is really and everybody's just assuming him a coward but people aren't thinking about the fact that he's running away because he knows that they're going to follow him or they're going to figure out where he go he's actually how do they know that because well, lex is the one who lex lex brings him because lex knows where the fortress yeah, but is. how so there's something missing here. Why would Superman just run? Does he assume that Lex is just going to do this? Because he doesn't even know Lex was there. Another plot hole. But I it's know. a huge plot hole. I didn't even think about yeah. that until now. Um, I thought about when I was watching the movie. I know he's flying back up there and Lex is going to show him that's where they are. And I'm like, how does he know Lex is going to do this? Yeah, I agree. It's such a, it's in that the fight scene is anticlimactic and it just, nothing about like, it's just it's short-lived it's not nearly as i don't know it's not a really a, i don't know it's it's not, it's not that good of a scene now yeah not not to mention that jorel had told him is there anything jorel ever said that's concrete jorel had told him once this is done it can never be undone like is jorel ever going to say say hey clark you can't do this and this is the reason why and <laughs> and i'm not going to let you do this it's so frustrating Constantly, he's just not listening to his dad. It's okay because I'm Superman. I, can do I actually I really enjoyed when 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 he got his powers back. Though I really liked how they did it in the Donner cut. I don't remember if they did it the same way. I know they did it similarly. You know, the fortress was the place that was created from the original Green Crystal. He put it in the thing, and then you know, the basically like a living embodiment—not a living, but the embodiment of Jor-El appears. And then it, it, he because you know that's basically his power reappearing, and when he touches and give it exactly when he gave it to Superman, um, and I I really did like the way that they did that scene. Um, I thought that was very cool. I thought the, I I the effects too. of the scene were really good, <clears throat> and it was just really really well done. You know, it was another very well done scene. You know, Clark begging and just being like. Dad, forgive me. You know, you know. There's times we do stuff to our parents, and Stella. Thank you. Exactly. Uh, there's, there's a lot of times. You know, I need you to forgive me. I did something wrong. You know, and once again, Jarrell's like, I knew you'd be back, you little son of a bitch. I knew you'd be back. <laughs> there's always a loophole. Daddy, Daddy knows best. You know? Right. Exactly. And kids, second public service announcements. Listen to your parents. <laughs> And don't smoke. All right. So, so you know, we're wrapping the movie. The movie's at this point come to an end where Zod, Ursa, Nan, Lex, Lois, they fly to the fortress. They meet Superman there. And Superman was, is, is like kneeling. And we come to find out he was reversing the, the, the polarity chamber. Genesis, the molecular Genesis chamber. chamber. Right. The Genesis chamber. So that's what Superman was working on. And I like this scene because I like how he plays Lex. Lex, for the first time now, is not the smartest man in the room because he says to Lex, try to get them in this, in this Genesis chamber so 
they'll they'll change their powers. And the Kryptonians can't hear them talk. I know, James. Let's forget about the plot. The plot holes. <laughs> Lex says to him. So then, immediately, Lex Lex tells them. Immediately, Lex tells them the Don't truth. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. Superman does the, the chamber anyway. They lose their powers, and then all of a sudden, apparently. So I read that they, they they all fall down into the ground and disappear. Apparently, in the made-for-TV version of the movie, they end up getting arrested. So I don't really know. Yeah, me, I don't know. But in the, in the Donner cut, he, he destroys the fortress after that. For, but then, for, for, again, for how long did we assume that Superman killed them? You know what I mean? Because he fell into it. They fell into like some no no land. You know what I mean? And oh, everybody yeah. figured they were dead. And they laughed. They basically laughed about it. And everybody. I still think that's can. I, I think that's canon. I don't know that this. I just read today like that they're in the movie version or the TV version, the way that, you know, a TV. I guess that would make more sense. So they could, wherever they were, he could go down to the basement and say, Hey, but in the Donner cut, he destroys. Yes, you're right. He does. Then, then what does he do? Once again, let's just reverse time the entire movie. I just wasted two hours of my life. for something. But he goes back to the bar. He beats up Rocky. And apparently those events still happened. I just got done fixing up this place. Ah, What's up with that? Did you just think I, of that? Well, I thought of that. No, but I thought of that when I I thought of that earlier today. I was like, that's true. So the only the only part of existence is this diner that didn't get turned back time. And, and, and he goes in there, beats the crap out of the guy. And they're happy about it. <laughs> Come on. So hold on a second, though. Just just because the guy says that doesn't necessarily mean that he's talking about specifically the fight that Clark Kent had with that douchebag. That guy, they made it very clear that that guy's uh, nothing but trouble every time he comes into the diner. So they could be talking about, like, you know, the last time that guy came in here. Clark says to him, I've been working out. Yeah. Uh, in which case, your response as somebody who, you know, works for tips would be, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, you look like you've been working out. That's You don't know that guy. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've, we've kind of exhausted a lot of topics on this on this uh, movie. Um, uh, one, if you were to watch one or two, which one would you want? To, which one would you choose? Which one would you choose? Two? Two. I think mm-hmm. I would choose two as well. Because there's there's a lot more to the story that allows me to understand, and I and I did pick up a few things more this time. In the last time I watched Donner Cup, probably about a year ago, that was the last time I had watched it, and there are quite a bit of differences. And if you out there, if you're out there and you haven't seen it yet, you need you need to check it out because you're gonna be you'll be you'll you'll be pissed off first off because you're gonna be like, oh yeah, I'm noticing these things that these bros of steel are saying that the movie is really shoddy. The movie really doesn't stand up, you know, to, to the test of time. But you're going to also see that they did change the movie around a lot to fit the storyline of the first movie better. So the second movie almost explains why the first movie, the things that are happening in it. So that's my take on it. I'd probably say Superman too. So with that being said, 
again, potholes are potholes. And uh, I think that's the world of comic movies in general. So tune in next week for Superman 3. And once again, I must plug our Twitter account at bros underscore steel, B-R-O-S underscore S-T-E-E-L. Please follow us there. We look forward to chatting with you and sharing some uh, just tidbits and things that we pick up along the way. So, so long. And once again, we are Bros of Steel. Bros of Steel. (laughs) All right. We'll see you guys next time.